lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace alongside... Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And then check us out on the various free speech uh, platforms out there, Gab, MeWe, and Parler. Just look for Steve Dace there. If you like censored clips of the program, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. If you're just, that's your fetish, you're into the censorship thing. If you want things that are unfiltered, go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show or just subscribe to us directly and you don't have to worry that today could be the day that you don't get to ever watch or view us or listen to us via one of these <coughs> free platforms ever again at blazetv.com slash dace another uh recognition for our new book fauci and bargain the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in american history we are number three overall at barnes and noble right now as we speak number three overall and this book just got placed there a few days ago okay so um cannot thank all of you enough and i guess that also tells us that there were a lot of you that just don't want to give your money to amazon any longer (laughs) and by golly we love that about you and can't blame you for that at all if there was any other outlet that could have allowed us to get this message into as many hands without having to allow them to profit off of it as well we would have done so unfortunately there is not but now that we have saturated that market we can now look at the second biggest market which is barnes and noble it's dwarfed by comparison but still a lot of uh, people are there and we are the number three overall book today at Barnes and Noble. So thank you very much. Uh, uh, You're helping us to experience something real, uh, a real second wave, if you will, of success here for Fauci and Bargain. So thank you. All right, coming up on the show today, we have a very, very busy day in store for you. A guest next hour I am really looking forward to. I heard him recently on my colleague Daniel Horowitz's podcast. Uh, Numerous emails from uh, many of you have asked us to uh, put this individual on the show. He will be with us later today at the top of the next hour. Dr. Ryan Cole is going to join us here. Uh, He has treated numerous COVID patients as uh, a practitioner and we're going to we're going to separate some fact from fiction now we and we um we wanted to have this interview uh scheduled f- as soon as we could this interview was scheduled today before any of the news we're about to talk about uh, after Aaron's montage, uh, any of this news broke uh, involving the the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. It's just providential that that news and this interview aligned for today. So we're going to try to get as many questions answered for you. And, and this is now more on the medical practice side, not on the public policy side. All right, because how do we handle this now as individuals, as families? We're going to try to get some answers, uh, as many answers for you as we can in the next hour. Pop Culture Tuesday. Unbelievable, man, but Bill Maher has done it again. Bill Maher has done it again with another outstanding rant. We're actually going to share uh, some of this with you. It was out on social media. Going off on Hollywood. 
and what's happened with what the woke religion has done to Hollywood and Hollywood liberals. And every word he says, just about every word is true. In a way, Todd, what was the name of his documentary? Do you remember what it was? Religious. Yes. I in, in a way, you know, he, so he was almost too successful, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, Bill was so successful in ridiculing our belief system that la- left a vacant spot in the public square and nature abhors a vacuum. So uh, the woke religion has taken its place. Maybe he needs to do a religious volume two. Yeah, hold my beer. Yes, indeed. So we'll get into that with Pop Culture Tuesday. And then at the bottom of this hour, we're going to begin a new series on fake news or not. We're going to do a book study of our new book, Faucian Bargain. That will be uh, what will occupy the space of fake news or not for the next several weeks as we go through this book chapter by chapter. So again, a ton is going on here today. And before we get to any of it, though, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the vaccine skeptics. This time they're coming from right inside the federal government. The Food and Drug Administration has suspended the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine thanks to a blood clotting issue reported in six women. According to the FDA, all six cases occurred in women between the ages of 18 and 48, with symptoms developing 6 to 13 days after they received the shot. The Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System from the Department of Health and Human Services indicates a more broad instance of vaccine adverse events from the J&J vaccine. That vaccine, by the way, is related to the AstraZeneca vaccine, which has been suspended in numerous European countries. Around 6 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine have already been administered. Neil deGrasse Tyson tweets, The good thing about science is that it's true, whether or not you believe in it. The frozen steak brand Steakums took umbrage with Tyson's tweet, saying, Neil just posts ridiculous sound bites like this for clout, and he has no respect for epistemology. End quote. Speaking of epistemology, or lack thereof, the CDC has labeled racism a, quote, serious public health threat. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, your mom's a serious public health threat. But the variants update, a new study out of the UK, finds people infected with the more contagious coronavirus variant first identified in the UK did not experience more severe symptoms and were not at higher risk of death. Babylon B headline, experts are super smart and 100% reliable, experts confirm. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis held another roundtable with public health experts Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, Dr. Scott Atlas, and Dr. Martin Koldorf. They discussed the dangers of big tech censorship in discourse about the virus. That's how science works. You, you do the evaluation based on the evidence. And, you know, if, if someone presents to me better evidence, I'll change my mind. I mean, that's, that's what my obligation is as a scientist. I think the censorship is a, an enormous mistake that, that, that has been made uh, in, in, throughout this entire year. This idea that you have a narrative that you have to follow is, is, has been an, an error. It's been sort of made it more difficult to address the epidemic in a, in a meaningful way. Moving on, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, was on fire again last night. The Brooklyn Center Police Department unveiled more information about the deadly officer-involved shooting that led to the riots. Apparently, the cop who fatally shot Dante Wright thought she had her taser when she was actually holding her gun. 
And finally, on the topic of The Answer Is Us, we have a case study in self-government recently from Shasta County, California, where a group of citizens informed three county supervisors that notices of intent were to be filed to recall them from office. It is not a witch hunt. It is a necessary performance appraisal. As leadership in this county during 2020, your position has been critically assessed and you are being held accountable by us, the citizens. The reason for a recall is as follows. First, a betrayal of public trust. These supervisors didn't defend our county from state government overreach. They bowed to Governor Newsom, a known corrupt, lawless politician for county funding. Second, a need for fundamental change. For too long, our supervisors have operated without critical oversight by its citizens. Our board has been irresponsible with taxpayer money, directing it to be used in inefficient county programs like administration. Third, this is a last resort. We cannot afford to wait to elect new representation. We cannot risk another round of shutdowns, business closures, and school closures. We must have supervisors that will actively protect our county from state overreach, that will secure our rights to operate our businesses, schools, and churches as we see fit, and that will be proactive and innovative in their approach to return government to its smaller, proper role. This is not personal. This is responsible citizenship. These supervisors have performed poorly at reflecting the will of the residents of Shasta County. Therefore, a recall has become necessary to determine which supervisors continue to enjoy the support of their community and which ones need to be replaced. That's how it's done. And that's what happened while we were away. Amen. Hey, have you ever bought a pair of glasses, thrown them in the drawer, and then never worn them again? Or have you been uh, told to go home and get used to your progressives? Well, there's help out there called Better Spectacles. They're now offering authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear for the first time here in the U.S. Rodenstock is a 144-year-old company. It's uh, considered the world's gold standard in this industry with well over 500 patents. Ronald Reagan himself wore Rodenstock glasses, and they're expert opticians. They specialize in difficult prescriptions, astigmatisms, and those who experience problems with their progressives. Technology is now caught up to your prescription so they can help you and one of their specialties is making sure and helping those with near and intermediate vision which is a common problem when you're looking at a phone or a computer all day long that would be me uh so ghost specs lenses from rodenstock uses an advanced algorithm from more than a million patents measuring seven thousand points in the eye is that a lot that sounds like a lot the result is more energy to no neck strain and the ability to help you see 40 percent better if you want to give these a shot i've got a pair of these actually coming my way soon. I'm anxious to try them. Uh, go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Uh, you can schedule a tele-optical appointment there. You don't have to leave your house. And Better Spectacles is not an online company with low-quality offerings. You're going to receive the same expert consultation as if you were sitting in their store. They're the best-trained opticians in the country. betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, betterspectacles.com slash Steve. And if you go there, Our audience is getting offered an introductory 61% off, plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. That is an excellent deal. 61% off their Ghost Specs lenses, plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames today at betterspectacles.com slash Steve. So let's get to the overtime and, I'm sorry, uh, to Aaron's montage. And again, there's several things in there worthy of highlighting, but I, I think one in particular is where we need to spend the bulk of our time, and it's what... 
It's the bomb that was dropped by uh, public health officials here in the U.S. today, suspending the distribution of the Johnson & Johnson single-dose COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Recall that Merck, one of the other big pharmaceutical companies in the country, they were not able to come to market with a product that they believed in the safety and efficacy of. So they gave up. They pulled out of the COVID uh, vaccine effort, despite all kinds of financial incentives to continue to pursue it. And then when Johnson & Johnson announced they had a breakthrough, they were granted emergency authorization. Um, It was then Merck who came to their aid to put their production and distribution uh, supply chain uh, aside J&J in order to get this vaccine out to to more of the country. I also believe that it's this single-dosed vaccine that a lot of the universities were urging their students to take in order to return to classes in the fall. So let me say this at the outset. I don't believe this is any kind of psyop uh, to get us back into lockdown. The lockdown argument's been lost, folks. I mean, uh, Gretchen Whitmer is at the point now of pleading with her people to voluntarily stay home because she knows what will happen to her if, if she issues another lockdown. Last year, Michigan suffered the largest loss of, of, of businesses that will never open again, uh, combined with job losses of any singular state in the country. And so, I mean, this is why she's asking you to voluntarily stay home. The, the lockdown argument has largely been won. We're now debating what are the conditions, protocols necessary for the return. So I don't believe this is, I don't even believe it's any kind of four-dimensional chess. Uh, let's shut it down now, and then we look at, we, we can say we looked at it, and then come back and even more aggressively push the vaccine later. I don't think it's that either. Because... Is it, easier, is it easier to sell someone a product the first time or the second? Uh, well, the second. It's the second, yeah. What's harder, to get a woman to go out with you the first time or the second? Depends how the first date goes, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Second, yeah. In once general, you... the, a, a seal, the seal, yes. the veil, shall we say, has been, has, the seal's been broken here. I mean, if, if 12 hours ago, check that, six hours ago, <laughs> If, if almost any of us had gone out there and said, I don't believe in the safety of the J&J vaccine because I'm seeing anecdotal reports of postmenopausal women who are now spotting, women who just had menstrual cycles, who are now having them again, blood clots. All right, at the very least, you would have gotten one of those, if you've posted on your Twitter account, your Facebook account, at the very least, you would have gotten one of those right. um, those disclaimers go here for safety information if you any anybody didn't matter how many followers you had didn't matter what position you had any of us would have tweeted that five or six hours ago we would have gotten one of those at best at worst you might have just gotten banned or suspended right right and then the feds dropped this bomb right as they are ramping up the vaccine propaganda i'm sorry marketing so I don't believe this is any psyop, and I don't believe this is any attempt at four-dimensional chess. And I also don't believe this is about only six blood clots either. I don't. Nor should you. I think that that requires a level of faith, frankly, I don't have. And I think it also requires giving a system that has largely been debunked via the efforts of a show and a few others 
but our show presided over by me who didn't finish community college. I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't believe we're up against the all-seeing eye. I don't. I, I think we're giving the system way too much credit. In fact, I think here we just reapply Occam's razor. I think they're scared. I think they're scared. And here's the thing. If, if, if they don't show more caution on this, there's a lot larger paradigm at stake here. Bingo. The entire vaccination paradigm or what's become of it in recent years. All right. When we were kids, if you're Gen X like Todd and I are, you thought of you, you're, you got your vaccines and boosters. I mean, that's why I got them before I went to Haiti a few years ago. They were inoculators. They were inoculating you and the people around you from getting things, right? But nowadays, we see signs at our um, at our pharmacists, like I joked about last year. The biggest pharmacist in our city literally had a sign in the parking lot last year that said, "Get the new and improved shingles vaccine." Which means the previous one wasn't really all that great then, I guess, right? Okay. Um, were you given the new and improved chicken pox vaccine when you were three? There wasn't a chicken pox exactly. vaccine. Exactly. Were you given the new and improved measles vaccine when you were three? Yeah, I mean, th- this has become an entire industry now. And it, it it's it's... You and I were inoculated for like a total of... 15 things with boosters. Now it's between 30 and 40. And now we debate whether your preteen daughters need HPVs and maybe even your sons. Your sons. Okay. Um, So that is a lucrative paradigm. Lucrative. If it fails here on the largest stage that that vaccinations have been given in the West since when? Polio? Yeah. Now we're going back more than a half a century, all right? If it fails, and, and polio was far more lethal, polio infected a far broader segment of the population, including, and tragically, the young Yes. Okay, and healthy. And so if this is the largest stage for mass vaccinations as a cure-all for an outbreak in the West since polio, if it fails here, then people are going to call into question the entire paradigm that they're being constantly sold. A vaccine for that, and a vaccine for this, and a vaccine for that, and a vaccine for this. If they pause it now, they have an out. They can say, hey, we rushed this. We were under pressure from both um, the uh, progressive Karens in their brownstones and their cul-de-sacs who were never going to let their husbands buy the luxury boxes at the ball games again or sit in the front row, the seats that really matter at Hamilton, not in the back where you where most of you sit. Those seats don't matter. The ones in the front do. They were never coming back to normal life without this. On top of this, we've got the Trump White House pressuring us the entire time. See, they can play both sides of the argument. They can say we were under immense pressure from the Trump White House to get off our rear ends, to approve these, give them emergency authorization. And then on the other side of the argument, all kinds of people that were going to return to no form of normalcy without this. So we issued all these emergency authorizations. That's why we don't typically do that. That's why we have a a vetting process that takes sometimes three to 10 years for these. And we're going back to that. They have an out right now. If they don't exercise it, all their heads are on a chopping block.
Because when we can debate what happened to marvelous Marvin Hagler. We can debate what happened to Hank Aaron. We can debate what happened to DMX. These are isolated cases. Who knows, right? The timing looks suspicious, right? But we, here's what we cannot debate. Go to feminist author and thinker Naomi Wolf's Twitter account and look at the amount of women that have been tweeting to her for the last few days. I had a period last week. I'm having another one right now. I haven't had a period in months or years. I'm postmenopausal. I'm spotting right now. Over, See, pregnant women, lactating women, often don't take part in vaccination studies in general, but also not in this one. The real human trial is going on right now. And for them to admit now that there's a problem, they understand, trust me, what this means by doing this. The, the, the Overton window, maybe it ain't this open, but it's at least a crack open longer. For, it's, more, it's more open than it was five or six hours ago, at least. Who knows how much more open that is? But is it easier to squeeze something through there oh, than it was a few hours ago? It's more open than I've ever seen it, yes. brother. Yeah, and, and, and they had to know that. And so I think this is actually a legitimate health concern. And they have a window here. They've also got their European peers who already did this to AstraZeneca. And that, that vaccine we were talking before the show is not renewed for distribution yet, correct? It's not been reapproved, Aaron? Not to my knowledge. So we're talking the suspension or pause, depending on what word you want to use, in the EU for that, for that vaccine. We're at a month then for that. It's been a while. Johnson & Johnson is also a company that just has a lot more cachet with the American people than Pfizer and Moderna do. They sound like big pharma companies. They, they sound like who you sue in a John Grisham novel. Johnson & Johnson, some, some of the first products ever applied to our bodies in our lives as Americans were manufactured by Johnson & Johnson. That's, that's a venerable institution of, of corporate America within, the, within American tradition. They, I think they understand all of these things that are at stake and what this means. And that if they pause a vaccination effort for just six measly cases, they're all, their heads are all in a sling for that too, right? Yep. That's why I don't believe it's for six measly cases. So let me, let me add a few more points here. There has been good data out there about the vaccination effort. We've shared some of it with our friend Kyle Lamb down in Florida. But there have been some dangers out there as well. Um, and, and they're threatening you if you express any of your concerns about those dangers. Now, do the successes that were numbers, the data at least that I've looked at, outweigh the, the incident concerns? Yeah. But are the incident concerns insignificant at the same time? No. No. Um, maybe you'll get some of your free speech back now that the U.S. government has stepped in. I, I don't know. Are they, is the U.S. government getting banned? By by our tech o- Silicon Valley overlords uh, because of vaccine skepticism. It's currently the Spider Man gif where they're both pointing at each other. Yes, yes. What I think has happened here, and this, now now I'm going to express my opinion too on this. I think this has been rushed unnecessarily, and I think it's because too many of the well-to-do would not leave their homes, and the prior administration pressured them to do this as well, and all to risk a jab for a virus that as we sit here today, again, just 
Go to the website, divide the number of cases by the number of deaths, and the case fatality rate is 1.8%. And when you consider there's at least 10 times more cases than we've identified, which I think is likely a conservative estimate, when you look at seroprevalence studies that show, in many cases, it's like 12 to 30 or 40 times longer. But we'll go with 10. That's a nice round number. It just means we got to just like move a decimal point one spot over, right? Okay. That's something that everybody understands, right? If it's just a tenth, yeah. don't do that to me. I will, fi- I will fire you for real for that. <laughs> do not do that. Okay. I was, just, I was just making fun of some of the emails. I know you were. I know you were. I know you were. Well, that puts your infection fatality rate at 0.18% when you move the decimal over one spot. And, and now we have other options like hydroxychloroquine. An even better option, it appears, and ivermectin. Our guest in the second hour, Dr. Ryan Cole, has used these treatments. We'll ask him about these. In other words, there's no need to rush this. Yes, this is a serious pandemic. It is not, though, Captain Trips. It's not the walking dead. There are very specific uh, demographics, very specific comorbidities, pre-existing conditions that it lethally targets. We could focus treatment protection on them. We could have also done that for the last year, frankly. We could do it right now. Uh, They spent more than a decade, let me remind you, they spent more than a decade fruitlessly searching for a safe and effective vaccine for SARS-1. This is really SARS-2. They did it for more than a a decade for SARS-1, and then they gave up. It just, to me, defied common sense that we were going to do this for a novel coronavirus in six to eight months. That just defied common sense. So, slow down. Let's Let's all just take a deep breath. Let's look at actual data, like what's in Fauci and Bargain. Um, Not fear porn. I mean, the the data that came out now about the variants, because that's that's Fauci's next round. That's what he kept countering Rand Paul with, remember? The variants, the variants, and the variant data is a joke, all right? Um, Which we knew it would be based on the parameters of science and hundreds of years of how viruses work. Even with the tragic death toll we have in America, even if we're going to say all 577,000 deaths were legit, all of them were legit. They all weren't legit, by the way. But even if we say that, that's 0.17% of the U.S. population, guys. 0.17%. Is it worth injecting your body with an untested substance that we have no idea what it will do to you for the next 5 to 20 years, or as we're finding out with a few people right now, in the next five to 20 minutes. Is it worth doing that for something that 0.17% of the population has possibly succumbed to? I, I would argue the answer to that is no. Um, how about those? I saw this even from some of the smartest people in conservative media today. Uh, you don't stop a vaccine effort over a few blood clots. Well, first of all, the vax VAERS is the website. All right, that's, the, that's where you go to report or see incident reports of vaccinations for the CDC. Uh, there's a lot more than blood clots going on there. And there's a lot more than just a few incidents. Okay, that's number one. Second, you know, we're now vaccinating those who were excluded from trials like pregnant and lactating women. Third, uh, these are not FDA approved vaccines. They were, um, they were ushered to the market for emergency authorization. So damned skippy, we pause things when things have not gone through their typical vetting process and we're injecting these sorts of substances into people for the first time. Yeah, you're damn, you're damn skippy. We do actually pause and make sure we're not doing the, the cure isn't worse than the disease. 
But some of these exact same conservative media people were wrong from the very beginning about this. They were wrong about promoting Scott Gottlieb. He's a hack. They were wrong about believing Anthony Fauci. He's a proven liar. They were wrong about masks. They've been wrong about everything this entire time. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised that they're now wrong also about this. Uh, and then fourth, and maybe the most important reason of them all, this is the smart move. What were we debating yesterday? Whether we're going we're gonna to preside and allow a two-tiered citizenship system of the vaccinated or unvaccinated to exist, right? Yeah. That was just a debate yesterday. And we, were, we talk about this is conditioning and proto-conditioning for a mark. I said that. Well, you know, maybe before we take the mark, we should actually find out if we can even buy and sell with it. A little hard to buy and sell if you're, you know, yeah. injured. How about you know, before we even jump to the argument of creating a two-tiered citizenship system, why don't we also maybe, maybe find out if it's even worth the risk on any level whatsoever? So yeah, the right decision was made today. And <laughs> coming from me in this show, how many times have we said that in the last year? <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Not many. And let me reiterate, these regulatory agencies are in the hip pocket of big pharma. They went out of their way to memory hole discredit hydroxychloroquine, now ivermectin, in order to clear the marketplace for these, for these vaccines. For them to step now in the middle of the freight train they started, I think speaks volumes here. Fake News or Not is next. You know, we've been talking about Rough Greens for quite a while now. It's that powder that you sprinkle over your pet's food so that all the good stuff that's taken out, just like it's taken out of ours, that's why we're taking in so many supplements as the humans. Well, now the pets need one too because they're taking the vitamins and minerals and nutrients and antioxidants and omega oils on the pre and probiotics out of your pet's food too and that's where rough greens comes in that powder mixes in with the food your pet already loves and puts all that good stuff back in it now our pet cat loves his food even more when rough greens is mixed in but maybe you're thinking hey i i don't know that my dog will like it well how about we just give you a bag for free to find out all right you get a free 14 day jumpstart bag right now of Rough Greens. You're just going to pay for the shipping. That's it. Shipping is all you'll pay for. The bag is free. When you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com, or give them a call, 833-ROUGH-DOG. What do you got to lose? Pay a few bucks for shipping. Otherwise, the bag is yours for free to see if you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less at roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, or 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, let's begin a new series on fake news or not. We're going to do a book study of our new book, Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. Number three over at Barnes & Noble here today. Number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, hit number one on the Amazon bestseller list, hit number four on the USA Today bestseller list. So uh, are some of you now not going to buy it because we go through the information in the book here on the show? I'm sure that's the case. What's more important to us? Selling a few more books or getting this information out there? We, we wrote the book and put it out on paperback to get the information out there. We had no idea we were going to sell this many copies of it, though. We, I mean, we had no clue, right? We're, we, we still are stunned 
at, at what, what has transpired here. All right. So the information is what's most important. So each week here on Fake News or Not, until we conclude our look, we're going to spend uh, some time going through the chapter uh, or each chapter of the book. And Todd, we're to start with the introduction. Yes, we are. Fake News or Not. Steve and Aaron, by extension, if there is an American revival, as we often talk about, revival or bust, if there is one, the Tenth Amendment will be the fundamental transformative tool of a secular nature to foster it. So this question, I'm guessing, stems from what the thesis of the introduction is. Correct. That that too much power in the hands of anybody. Um. I did a, I did a show yesterday. Uh, actually, it was the face a Facebook Live with our friends at the Convention of States about the book, and they talked about the danger of an oligarchy or a plutocracy where we just kind of hand things over to uh, our freedoms and liberties. We're no longer a republic. We just hand these things over to a group of experts, and how dangerous that is. And I said, hey, that that in and of itself is dangerous. And that's why the country was founded with you know we the people as opposed to them the experts. But we're not actually even doing that. You know, you got Ron DeSantis is running it back yesterday in Florida, went right back to that same panel of experts that YouTube just took down and did it again. We're not even doing that. I mean, at at the very least, we get, that's kind of what Sweden has, actually. They just handed their lives over to a small group of people. And they have some of the worst religious freedom in the world because of it, right? They got some things that we take for granted that, that we right. don't have. But you know what? They did get, they at least got something out of it in the last year, right? Yeah. Their experts were like, well, let's just actually look at science here. See, we're not even getting that. We're getting fascism. That's what we're getting. It's not even these people are smarter, there are betters, so let us bow the knee to them. It is only a class or particular viewpoint of betters are really smarter. No matter what degrees you have, no matter what education you have, no matter what life experience you have. It, and it's, it goes to the video that was in Aaron's montage last week where the white guy is lecturing the black man. What do you mean you don't see race when you look at this picture? How, how he could feel as if he knows more than the life experience of somebody who was born black. But he does. Because he has the better viewpoint. He has the superior ideology, the superior philosophy beliefs. And that makes that trumps even your personal experience. Even Martin Koldorf, your Harvard, the fact that you're part of the faculty at Harvard, that trumps even that. Because while I sit here and crunch on my avocado toast in between overdoses of Mountain Dude Code Red uh, in my mom's basement running the algorithms for YouTube, I have the superior views, so I'm smarter than you, Martin Koldorf. So we're not even getting that. We're getting fascism. And I would, I, and, and so to your question, I would say I don't believe the Tenth Amendment will be sufficient. I think it's going to require, because I think you're dealing with a government that doesn't respect any of these amendments. And I think it's going to require a militant form of federalism, almost as if we are, it's an inverted paradigm where the 10th amendment says those powers that are no longer, that are not specifically vested to the federal government belong to the states. I think it's going to require at the state or the granular level to reassert the preamble of the constitution, its actual words, and then the amendments 
meaning we're we're not we're not salvaging anything. We're kind of resetting the board at that level. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Fake news or not, the bureaucratic fetish as it currently exists in America goes hand in hand with man no longer realizing he is a fallen creature. Absolutely. That's true news. That's the genesis for all of this. I used to say that if I was permitted to ask one question at these, you know, they, I don't think, I think it was the 2016 cycle and they let Hugh Hewitt and a couple other people in conservative media kind of get a, a limited opportunity to ask questions of the candidates, right? Am I remembering that right? It was I, 20, I remember. It, it, it was 2016 yeah. or the 2012 primary. One of those, one of those two recent ones. And I used to say that if I were on that panel and was told I could only ask one question, the question I would ask is this, is human nature basically good? Because that's going to tell you all you need to know right there. Is human nature basically good? Are we good on our own? That's not to say, can we do good on our own? Have there been people of pagan beliefs that have given and thought of great gifts to humanity? Sure. Absolutely. And sure. thank God for it. Absolutely. Yes. I know from a Christian viewpoint, I would, I would say that is an example of common grace or natural law that further um, certifies and confirms that we are all made in the image of God. So we carry, uh, you know, that light uh, into the world with us, whether we have rejected the light of the world or not, to some degree, we carry that with us. Um, but that, that is a, that's potential and a trait and a characteristic that doesn't speak to our nature. That's different. Is man whole? Is, when I say is human nature basically good, let me put it another way for you. Is man whole? Is man complete on his own? That's, that's really what I'm saying. Is man whole and complete and therefore empowered to determine for himself what is right and wrong, what is good and what is evil, what is true and what is false, with no higher vetting tool no higher plumb line, no higher accountability than ourselves. So when I say is 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 are people basically good? That's what I'm. That's how I'm. That's how I would quantify that. And the difference between us and the founding generation of the country—they had their own issues. Sometimes we over romanticize this. You know, like these guys were all saints. They weren't. I mean, the guy himself who wrote the words, all men are created equal, went home to his plantation with slaves. So we all, this, this is not, we don't have, no one, you ever attended the church of Benjamin Franklin? I have not. No, Aaron, you ever been to the church of George Washington? Not in my lifetime. No, no okay. So I mean, these were great men. Were they perfect men? No. Were they infallible men? No. Were they whole, complete? No. Because they knew that we got the Constitution. And that's we got. exactly what I was about to say. That's the difference between their era and ours. They lived in a pre Darwinian world. The idea that random chance, random acts were random processes 
were uh, the the human condition was simply the result of that was nowhere in their thought process so what they debated in their day and age is how directly involved is god in the affairs of men that's where the notions of deism came from you know god is a kid with an anthill how directly involved in the affairs of men is god we debate how much like god is man and does man even require a god that's what we debate and that's why we have cataclysmic level problems that they did not have. They had a massive moral blind spot where, where slavery came into question. But on an existential level, they did not absorb or adopt things that threatened existence itself. They absorbed and adopted things that threatened the civil order that threaten morality, some of us may argue, even threaten their own souls, right? But corporately as a society, did they embrace chaos as a norm? No. In fact, they thought the answers to the future were in the past. They looked back at people like Locke and Hobbes, Old Testament Israel. They looked back at history to find the answers to the future. We are bound and determined to ignore history at our own Peril, including this this speech at his um, good farewell address from from Eisenhower that we quote in the introduction, yes. warning against the creation of hey uh, he he lived he presided at the dawn of modern the era of modern innovation, and he said hey it's great how the the advancements of society in the years to come will be a blessing just be careful don't create an infallible expert class uh, at the exact same time and that's kind of what we are in the throes of of creating here fake news or not it would be a mistake to think dr anthony fauci is a uniquely evil or manipulative figure uh not uh he is legion and as we've said several times recently we're using that term on a, a very purposeful application he is legion uh, he is not some Carpathian figure uh, who uh, successfully and in a sinister way navigated himself through the shadows. So he was here right at this moment to pounce and enslave us all. Um, he's a construct. I think he's malevolent. I think he's a fiend. But I also think he's a legion. Meaning that if it wasn't him, he's 80. If he had retired at 75 or 70, like most people do, it just would have been somebody else. I mean, you have Neil deGrasse Tyson out there tweeting out yesterday, science is true whether you believe it or not. Well, the science told me yesterday that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was safe. The science tells me today that it may not be. Which science was true and unchanging? The one yesterday or the one today? Do you know? Not sure. Yeah, neither do I. Science once said the earth was flat. Science once said that the, the, uh, the, the sun... Uh, revolved around the earth science said men can't engineer a way to fly science told alexander fleming he was a he was a flake for believing in molds we could find the medical answers in the past we could find the medical answers for the future so that's a creed that neil degrasse tyson is asserting a dogma Science is the search for observational truth. 
So it can, and, and it, I've been to his museum in recent years. You go to his own Museum of Natural History in New York. I took a picture of it at the time. I think I sent it to you guys. It says right there in the exhibit about the origins of the universe, it says right there, some things we, about the origin of the universe or its purpose are unknown. It says it right there in his own museum. I went to a video presentation he narrated about dark matter. And he talked about how we, the, what we thought about dark matter in the 60s isn't true anymore, and we've learned a bunch of new things. I thought science was true whether you believed it or not. So the science that you were wrong about in the 60s about dark matter, was that true whether you believed it or not? Yeah. So I, I think what we're dealing with here um, is not science. You're, you're, dealing, you're dealing with something else. Well, this is a perfect follow-up, and it is the last one. Fake news or not, the most devastating weapon in our technological age is information. Yes. In fact, I would argue it's the most devastating weapon in any age. I mean, Moses came down the mountain with two stone tablets, man, and just that devastated, those, those two stone tablets devastated planet Earth. All right. Um, information in any age. You're the one that made the analogy I hadn't even thought of to... Luther's 95 Theses for Fauci and Bargain. Those 95 Theses, whether you agree or disagree with them today, you cannot argue how the, the devastating weapon um, that the whole world changed when this Augustinian monk nailed those to a door on All Hallows' Eve of 1517, right? world's yeah. not been the same ever since. You can agree with it, disagree with it, but you cannot argue that that information was a devastating weapon. Um, fascist regimes of any sort, Marxist, communist, monarchical, totalitarian, one of the first things they seek to ban from their midst is their people's access to the word of God. Why? Because it has the most devastating information in all of humanity uh, included therein. Big tech is doing what it's doing right now That's because exactly it understands right. how devastating it yes. is. So information is always the most devastating weapon. Always. Whoever controls, folks, this is an undeniable Maybe we, maybe we do this in honor of Russia's passing. He used to have his undeniable truths of life. Maybe we should have the undeniable truths of history. That should be one of our specialty shows that we do one day. Undeniable truths of history. All right, here's one. Whoever controls the flow of information has control. Period. History is written by the victors. Yes, whoever has control of the flow of information has control. Period. That's it. Who has control of the information has control. So that is our look at the introduction for Fauci and Bargain. And again, you can get your copy today uh, at Amazon, but also now at Barnes and Noble. All right, next hour. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. This guest comes highly recommended. The, one of the most often or oft received emails I've gotten in the last couple of weeks has been you need to have this guy on. We were already working on getting him on. So thank you. Uh, great minds think alike. But I heard him a few weeks ago on our colleague Daniel Horowitz's podcast, and I thought we need to get him on for some follow-up questions. Dr. Ryan Cole is going to join us for an, for an interview you don't want to miss here in a moment.
And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the show, steve at stevedace.com, or check us out on the various socials there. Look for Steve Dace on Facebook, MeWe, Gab, and Parlor. Follow me uh, at Steve Day Show on Twitter. And if you're a podcast listener, thank you very much. We appreciate you uh, as much as we appreciate everyone else. But we do ask that you show your appreciation for us. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review if you like us. If you don't, don't lie. But maybe just keep your opinion to yourself. But if you do like us, really embellish how much. Uh, leave us a five-star review, whether it's any of the podcast platforms we're on, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Stitcher, and especially iTunes, because that's by far the largest podcast platform in the country. The more of those we get, the more the algorithms, the more Skynet is pleased, and then also the more our overlords uh, at uh, at Blaze HQ in Dallas, the more pleased that they are as well. You know, more and more overreaching government officials in D.C. and across the country are threatening our constitutional freedoms. You know that. That's why you're listening, watching a show such as ours. In times like this, the courts sometimes can be uh, your last hope for preserving your fundamental rights. And there's one organization that leads the way on that front. Our friends over at Alliance Defending Freedom for over 25 years, ADF has been protecting religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, free speech, parental rights, marriage and family, and at no cost to their clients. But to continue facing these increasing threats, ADF needs help from people like us. For example, there's the new equality, uh, misnamed Equality Act over in the House of Representatives that could force women to share private, intimate spaces with men who identify as female. Could also force Americans to celebrate events and speak messages that will violate your core beliefs. Please help protect liberty and freedom against such jihads by donating to Alliance Defending Freedom. Just go to ADF Legal. Dot org slash Steve. That's ADF org slash Steve. Make your tax deductible donation today. ADF wins nearly 80% of its cases. So together we can help them defend liberty and justice no matter who is in power at ADF org slash Steve. Our guest here today, I heard him on with our colleague Daniel Horowitz a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, we I, I've got some follow-up questions uh, that that our audience needs to get answers to. And then in the time we've been trying to get him on our show, we have been besieged with requests in our inbox. You need to get this guy on your show. So we agree with you. We do need to get him on. And he is with us now. Dr. Ryan Cole is our guest here today on blaze TV radio and podcast. Ryan, it is a pleasure to have you with us. I'm Steve Dace. How are you? Super duper, Steve. Pleasure to pleasure to meet you. Can you give our audience for, for, you know, the, three or four people that have not emailed me in the last two weeks saying, get this guy on your show. Uh, can you let them know who are you? Who's Ryan Cole? Okay. Um, I'm a anatomic and clinical pathologist, board certified with subspecialty expertise, fellowship trained in uh, skin pathology as well. I trained at the Mayo Clinic. I was there for five years. I did uh, PhD immunology research uh, as an MD PhD student for a year as well. And I have lots of years of immunology background. I run an independent laboratory, largest one in the state of Idaho. I serve patients from Maine to California with uh, consultation and diagnostic work. Um, I've been involved in doing over about 100,000 COVID tests and patients this past year, probably swabbed about 20,000 of those myself and Mm. probably 
pipetted about 30,000 of those in the lab myself. So, um, you know, virology and immunology is part of my clinical pathology board certification. I have a long background in it. So it's been a busy year. It's been a busy year. So you are not a media created construct you actually are getting your hands dirty you're you're treating actual people and uh, not an insignificant amount at the exact same time yeah no I'm, I'm kind of an extroverted introvert that i spend my time in a laboratory geeking out and diagnosing uh, cancer and microbial things and all sorts of things so yeah you know the coming coming to the forefront like this i, I you know i'm trying to just get some common sense out there, you know, having seen it as much as I've seen it this year, having treated some patients as well. I'm just trying to find that balance. And, and you know, we turned fear into a virtue over this past year. And now that we know this disease as well as we do and know the statistics, just trying to get some logic and common sense. And so I gave a talk at the um, request of the lieutenant governor at a, an open meeting. You know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm independent. I'm unaffiliated with any political party. I'm I'm just an independent scientist thinker. And uh, so anyway, I, I got invited to speak and I thought I was given a little lunch chat to 100 people and it ends up uh, millions upon millions of people uh, know who I am now, which is uh, different different than what I'm used to. I think what it shows, Ryan, and you know, we have a successful show around one of the largest media platforms and conservative media, but we're not one of the biggest shows on this platform. And yet the book here that is on display in front of me that is a compilation of a year worth of our work on the data and the research on COVID has hit number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, number one bestseller over at Amazon.com out of 48 million books last week. It hit number four in USA Today. It's number three today at Barnes & Noble because I think that your video went viral and this book has, has become a bestseller for the same reason. There are a lot of, Mer of, of, of Americans out there that have a notion that they're not being told the real truth here uh, there have been uh, surveys done recently our media by far is the most negative about covid of any uh you know free media in, in in the western world for example things that don't make sense why in nevada two weeks ago was the first day you could go play outdoors in a desert basketball pickup at a park with somebody but you the but most of the time for the last six months you could go take your mask off to inhale a lung dart inside a casino okay things like that people are like this doesn't I'm not, I don't have, I don't even know what half of your accreditations mean, all right? And people are like, this doesn't make sense. So I can't play basketball in the sun when it's 95 year round, all right? And get all that vitamin E directly into my body. But I could go to a casino and just sit in front of a slot machine and inhale lung darts. And, and uh, there's a lot of this that for our people doesn't make sense, Ryan. And I think the success of your video and this book show, people are starving for some real information here. And, that, and that's what I'm here to do, you know, just common sense from a medical point of view, just, again, share share what we can do. You know, we're, we're over a year into this now, and there's so many simple things. We know who this disease affects. We know who to, you know, still sequester or protect and test frequently, et cetera. I mean, there's no reason really at this point for a society to be shut down when other parts of the world, you know, kids have been in school for an entire year mm -hmm. in uh, Scandinavian countries with zero deaths, zero in the zero to 18 population. You know, we have other countries that have set a perfect example of here's some simple things you can do you know, the cure is actually worse than the disease at this point. When you look at the statistical impact on the rest of the world, the starvation that's gonna uh, happen around the world this next year or two, the amount of um, economic damage, the more people it's put, pushed into poverty. And we're literally sitting here at the microscope, 
you know, I've watched um, over the last couple of months tenfold increase in certain kinds of cancer that we used to catch early. Mm-hmm. And so two to three years from now, we're going to be seeing a massively um, sad effect of some of the choices we've made um, for a virus that, you know, is, is it deadly? Yeah, to certain subsets of our population. We know those comorbidities and risks, absolutely. But, you know, for the rest of us, we are damaging the health, the mental wellness, and and ruining a society for something that is a manageable and and we can get to this in the questioning and a treatable disease you know and that was the one point that i brought up in the talk that went viral is we as a society you know never in the history of medicine have said well gosh you have a bacterial pneumonia why don't you just go home and if you end up uh, getting really sick we'll give you an antibiotic once you're in the icu that's insanity you know medicine we've collectively lost our medical minds the first thing you do when a patient has a disease is intervene early so you can avoid the long-term consequences and sequelae you know the goal should be what can we do and and there are many of us around the country a lot of the independent doctors who've had to basically think outside the box of the uh, big uh, system algorithms and we figured out hey if you do this 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 and this you know, like Dr. Peter McCullough down in Texas, uh, become friends with him. And with his uh, early treatment protocols, we've decreased death rates by 86%. You know, in terms of, you know, I, you know we, we can get to ivermectin or whatever topics you want to talk about. But I'm, I've treated 54 patients in the last couple of months. 51 of those have been better in uh, 12 to 48 hours, including my younger brother. That was the first life I saved with that medication. And he's an obese type 1 diabetic. And he was better... Um, literally in 24 hours and he was on his way to the ER. So there are treatments we're avoiding because of uh, bureaucratic um, governmental regulation. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is uh, showing massive, massive benefit of these early treatments. And for whatever reason, well, I know why. I know why. I mean, there's no money in generic treatments. And, you know, we can get into some of the corruption that goes on there if you want to. I could hypothesize. But at the same time, when I watch the rest of the world in certain parts of the country, you know, and independent doctors treating and having great success, it's, it's mind-boggling why this is being suppressed and hidden. And you, you put it on one social media page and you as a physician are canceled for just saying uh, uh, the name of a medication. Uh, meanwhile, you know, I, I've seen 350,000 patients in my career through the laboratory and the microscope and uh, years of emergency room and family medicine work, you know, mostly through the microscope. But, you know, to have some social media company say their medical degree is better than the rest of ours when we know how to save lives. And are we going to save every life? No, no, I'm not saying that this is, you know, a silver bullet. But I'm saying it's ridiculous what we're experiencing right now. I would urge our audience to go and listen to Ryan's entire conversation with Daniel Horowitz because Daniel's format is different than ours. They had more time to get into more detail. But after listening to it, I had five follow-up questions I wanted to ask you. We got about 16 minutes to get answers. Okay, okay so let's. Uh, so I, I listed five mainly to discipline myself, frankly. All right. One of them is, is later on the list, but I'm, I'm going to move it up to number one uh, because of the news that's out today with the suspension of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, similar to what we saw the European Union do with AstraZeneca. I don't believe this is any kind of four-dimensional chess to get us to go back into lockdowns. Most of America is done with those anyway. I don't think it's anything about they come back and it's an all-clear so they can really ramp up the 
propaganda for the vaccines later. I think there's a legitimate concern here, particularly because, as you've already pointed out, uh, our regulatory agencies, shall we say, are simpatico, friendly to the big to big pharma as an outlet to step in front of the very freight train that they ignited to me indicates they're concerned that this may get beyond them and if it does and they didn't step in when they could then the entire paradigm they have about the current vaccination and big pharma model is going to be doubted by the american public so i i think this is there's more going on here than just six blood clots but what's your view of of what happened today and your overall view of the efficacy of the current vaccinations that are out there well, I'm glad they did what they did today. And and my big concern, you know, historically, Harvard did a big study 2010 for the government showing that only 1% of adverse uh, events in a vaccine and medication trials ever even get reported. So those small levels that are getting reported, you, you can multiply that, you know, almost 100 fold. So they know that. And, you know, and they contracted that study. And these vaccines, you know, I've had all my childhood vaccines, so my kids, I'm not anti-vaccine, you know, pro-safety proven vaccines are great and have saved a lot of humanity. Uh, These are quick vaccines and these are modalities we've never used on humankind before. And they're what we call leaky vaccines. We're giving them right in the middle of, you know, a quickly spreading virus while the virus is mutating. So technically we're giving the shot for last year's strain while the other new ones are evolving. So almost putting evolutionary selection pressure forward onto the variants. So the efficacy is really kind of a misnomer. And the way they calculated that was pretty sneaky, to be quite honest. You know, they they gave the relative risk rates and actual relative risks are a lot different calculations. So you literally have to give almost 120 people two shots for one person to have one less symptom with these shots. That's what they say we mean effective at decreasing symptoms. We're not we're not providing broad, you know, sterilizing immunity to where no, you're not going to get COVID. You hear about these breakthrough cases all the time, and so the the challenge is yes, we have safety issues with all of these. We don't know long-term safety of any of these because it's not done. The animal trials were started side by side with these, and we know historically all coronavirus vaccines, SARS, MERS, animal coronaviruses have gone very poorly with hyperimmune reactions down the road. So we don't know the long-term side effects. Of these and we are seeing i mean you've got to consider in north america uk and and europe we've seen almost as many deaths as three nine and elevens put together post shot now everything last year that was sick was covid and you know you hear in the news oh gosh nothing's related to the shot but if you look at the adverse reporting events you know over nine thousand deaths in those three regions and hundreds of thousands of adverse events. I mean, we're pushing forward with something we don't know the history of. So, you know, precautionary tale last year when we locked everything down, doing something, you know, it's a risk benefit ratio, I get that. But, you know, pushing these forward with, you know, the risk benefit of, well, do I want to get a shot and die or have, you know, a bad autoimmune disease or a bad outcome? You know, we don't know what's going to happen. We're already seeing it happening at incredible numbers. Again, COVID can be bad, so it's it's a individual risk benefit choice but it's very concerning because the the efficacy technically we're giving you know what a lot of us refer to in medicine as a leaky vaccine right now because it's really not halting the virus and it's not providing immunity in everybody as a quick follow-up to that what are you recommending for your patients is it when it comes to the the vaccines are you a blanket no are you a blanket yes is it case by case depending on your risk level and it's a grief to profit ratio how are you handling it as a physician yeah no uh, you know to to my uh, patients 
and, and again, I don't see a lot of patients. I do most, mostly the diagnostic stuff, and I've reached out and helped some people this year. Everybody that asks me, I tell them, look, it's a risk-benefit analysis. Are you in the high-risk category? Do you have multiple comorbidities? Is your risk of dying from COVID higher than having an adverse outcome to a shot that potentially could go bad? So, you know, a lot of people, it becomes that, that mental uh, decision of, you know, decreasing their fear. At the same time, these are not approved, these are not licensed, and if you look at the FDA uh, emergency authorization, it says investigational vaccines. In spite of the fact in the media, all, all you hear is get your vaccine, they're safe. But they always take off that word investigational. That's what's in the FDA writing. These are investigational. And that's why we're seeing these things happen and something getting halted right now is because we don't have that long-term history. These are an investigational experimental process right now. You are technically an experimental subject if you choose to get them. So my patients, I'm like, your choice, your body, your choice, your body, your choice. I absolutely think we should not be giving these to children zero to 18 who essentially survive this virus at a 100% statistical rate. I mean, it's insane to be injecting with them with uh, something experimental. And in my opinion, it violates, you know, the Helsinki Medical Convention, violates the Nuremberg Code. You know, they hung doctors in Germany for what we're doing right now with some of these things. And I just scratched my head and going, why are we doing this type of thing to an entire population when we know the risk categories? We know who's at risk. Why don't we focus on them? I said recently on my show, Dr. Cole, that if I could replay any decision I made pushing back on COVID stand in the past year, I'd have been more aggressive in defending hydroxychloroquine. But that was side by side with the battle over lockdowns. It's We get into specific uh, medications and treatments that's obviously beyond my area of expertise that's not typical now of just a public policy debate which is what I do for a living um, and then you had that massive Lancet study that came out and showed that it's dangerous it doesn't work which they then later on had to take back and was completely discredited well I don't want to make the same mistake with ivermectin because the data I'm seeing around the world I mean like Switzerland for example their entire epidemiological curve on COVID changed when they went back and began uh, re reusing redeploying hydroxychloroquine Oxychloroquine. Well, I've seen far more promising or assertive data on ivermectin. Number one, is that correct? And then number two, what is it exactly? And why, if, if, it ha if, if the vaccines are largely prophylactic in nature, then one of their number one claims is it reduces lethality and hospitalization. Don't we, isn't that exactly what an ivermectin uh, claims and, and looks like the data shows it does? Yeah, and, and you can look at the data at uh, c19early.com, and that compares all these early modalities and treatments, and, and the percentage efficacy of ivermectin looks even better than hydroxychloroquine, which I, I took hydroxychloroquine for nine months while swabbing thousands of sick patients. I switched about three and a half, four months ago to ivermectin when I saw the data was even better. It's a molecule. It was derived from a soil bacterium uh, by a researcher in Japan. It actually won the Nobel Prize uh, in 2015 um, because it has been such an uh, effective antiparasitic throughout the world. But a molecule doesn't read a textbook. Just because it's been used for one purpose, it doesn't mean it can't have activity against other things. And I could go, give a long medical lecture about the six or seven mechanisms of action against viruses and especially against SARS-CoV-2. Um, and it, it inhibits so many different things, decreases viral load objectively in the laboratory setting, decreases shedding time. And in, in these studies from around the world, I, I encourage everybody to go to flccc.net. These are the leading doctors around the world. Can you repeat that for us? 
flccc.net. That's the frontline uh, critical, let's see, frontline COVID uh, critical care alliance. And they have the data from the world on this, uh, 50 studies, 16,000 patients in meta-analysis. Um, you know, you can throw a study out here, a study out there. The NIH, when they looked at it, they, they selectively only looked at 11 studies instead of looking at, you know, the 24, 27 randomized controlled trials or the 50 altogether or the huge world population trials where you can see the countries doing so well with this. I mean, you can decrease the death rate from anywhere from 68 to 86 percent. And we're not talking decreasing symptoms like a vaccine may do. We're talking decreasing that death rate by those percentages and using it prophylactically. Um, the meta-analysis shows you know, 89% uh, prevention of acquiring the disease while prophylaxing prophylaxing on ivermectin. So, I mean, again, you know, the big journals, they fudge things to make hydroxy look bad, which was a shame because it has its benefit early um, as prevention as is early treatment as well, but so does ivermectin to even a higher percentage. And to watch my colleagues around the world, and again, there's pharmaceutical interests against something that you can make in India for two to three cents. I mean, an entire province in India, 210 million people, Uttar Pradesh, the province, you know, they've got the lowest COVID, lowest hospital, lowest death rate mm. in the world because they passed it out to their population. Um, wow. I mean, the yeah. ramifications of that take us down a very dark path. So let's let's stick to the script and the other three questions I want to make sure our audience gets answers to. What precautions would you recommend people in our audience take? Well, number one, know what your vitamin D level is. You know, so goes your vitamin D level, so goes your flu and cold and illness rate in so many conditions in the human body. It's not a vitamin, it's a pro-hormone. You make it in the sunshine in the spring and summer. You can't make it in the fall and winter. That's all why we always see flu and cold in the wintertime, COVID as well. So know what your vitamin D level is. So, you know, that's one thing I do. I keep my vitamin D level above 50 nanograms per milliliter. That saturates all your receptors and it's the master key to your immune health. Um, I, you know, take a bunch of other supplements, vitamin C, zinc, selenium, magnesium, um, nighttime a little bit of melatonin, um, some quercetin, blah, 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 um, you know, some supplements. Uh, sleep, sleep is critical. The less uh, sleep you get, the more stressed your body is, the more stressed your body is, the weaker your immune response is. So uh, vitamin D level is probably number one, two, and three in terms of your immune health. Um, you know, getting the rest, you know, I precaution-wise, um, we're mask-free in my office. A um, bunch of people have had COVID already. If you want to wear a mask, cool. If you don't, cool. Libertarian, as far as that goes, they do uh, no randomized control in the history of humankind has ever shown efficacy of a mask against an airborne virus. And that's in 72 years worth of studies. So precautions, those are the things I do. Obviously, wash my hands, you know, sterilize here and there, but, you know, not too much. I want to keep my immune system uh, stimulated and tuned. So, um, yeah, and I avoid crowds. I mean, I don't go into crowded, poorly ventilated spaces for mm -hmm. now. What, what sources of information do you trust? It's hard these days. Uh, mm -hmm. I basically turn off mainstream media. Um, you know, it's interesting over the year, we've had to almost rely on medicine on colleague groups around the country and independent groups where we share data and share papers. You know, we'll pull things off PubMed and pull things off you know, a lot of uh, preprint servers and whatnot. And I mean, last you know, year, a CNN interviewer told an award-winning Yale physician, Dr. Harvey Risch, 
who has been one of the top 100 cited medical experts in living medical experts in the country by other medical journals, tried to tell him that a study that he had on hydroxychloroquine saying it doesn't work was superior to the actual patient files of cases that Dr. Rich had personally treated people with and other pa- and other peer peer groups of his had personally treated people with so like this the, the study was superior to the real time patient file um, i mean I, that's where a lot of us are like where are we going for information now where do we go yeah, and there's, I mean, there's some ed- excellent educators online, uh, physician colleagues that do have YouTube channels, and they'll cite the literature. Oh, let's see, trusted colleagues. I kind of wrote some of them down here. Um, I like the work of a data analyst out of um, Ireland, Ivor Cummins. He's he's shown, you know, YouTube and Twitter, you know, said false information because I said coronaviruses are seasonal. But Nobel Prize winner uh, Michael Levitt and Ivor Cummins have some interviewing interviews confirming exactly what I show in terms of them being seasonal. So I like them. I like my colleagues, uh, PubMed, ResearchGate uh, on YouTube. I like MedCram, uh, This Week in Virology. Uh, a doctor, um, Reed Sheftal, uh, Dr. Uh, Mobin Syed, uh, drbean.com. I kind of really enjoy his stuff. He he goes through a lot of mechanisms of actions of different treatments and whatnot. Um, preprints, there's another guy, Whiteboard Doctor. Um, th- those are the ones, you know, and then Sci-Hub, you know, to look uh, around the world for scientific articles. So it is hard to find. And, and again, I read from all sides. I'll listen to things that are extreme on any side listen to the nuance and come to a logical data-driven conclusion got about uh, three minutes here where are we at on the where are we at in this pandemic you have marty macri over at uh, johns hopkins has written a couple of times now in the wall street journal uh that fauci is uh, has, is not even counting natural immunity along with the vaccination effort we're far closer to herd immunity he even originally predicted we would hit it in april or may um it, clearly some places like in california that hit some form of her, herd immunity threshold at the very least but collectively in our country where are we at here on this epidemiological curve do you think I think collectively we're doing great. Um, is it going to be within the population endemically still? Absolutely. But yeah, those T cell studies that show how many people actually have been exposed, the antibody studies combined with that, I, I agree with the assessment out of Hopkins that we're doing really well. Now, what the variants are going to do, I don't know. Am I, I panicked about it? No, because those uh, medications I mentioned, they cover all the variants. I mean, if we're going to be trying to chase a coronavirus with a new booster, booster, booster for the next who knows how many years with who knows what you know, side immune outcomes or side bad effects from shots, yeah, that's silliness. I mean, when we know that there's early outpatient treatments that will cover all the variants, then I don't think we have anything to worry about. We just need to focus as a society on the fact that this is a treatable disease, and we do need to protect those who are still going to be at risk no matter what. You know, the elderly, the obese with you know cardiac disease, diabetes, etc. Granted, I saved a 91-year-old, 83-year-old, 74-year-old, my 78-year-old mom, my 83-year-old dad with those medications, and they all did just fine. We have early treatments as a society. I think we're, you know, There's going to be that plateau for a good long time. The disease is still here. It's endemic. But if you look at the data, we are nowhere where we used to be. And that's a good thing. We're at an endemic level, not a pandemic level in most areas. And if if 
you know, the agencies would just open their mind and say, look, you know, this is a pandemic. It's not about profiteering off big pharma drugs. Let's use the generics that save lives. That's just common sense. Dr. Ryan Cole, again, I would urge folks go get Daniel's podcast from a couple of weeks ago when they had more time and got into far more detail. But uh, I've, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Appreciate your work. Thanks for being with us today, Ryan. Thank you so much. And congratulations on the book. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, you know, trying to sell your home in any uh, economic environment can be challenging, but especially in these unprecedented times, Bing. Uh, you really need to make sure you've got a real estate agent who will come in and take charge of the situation, but then ultimately remember who's really in charge around here, which is you the customer. Where would you find such a person? A person whose track record of success is proven, verified, validated, so you're not just taking their word for it? Well, the good thing is the name of the place kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's where you can go. A company started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates who got tired of falling for the banana in the tailpipe with real estate agents who talked a good game and then didn't deliver the results. And they found out, you know, in our own audience, there's actually around the country. A lot of proven, really good agents, and that's where this grassroots effort began, and it's just expanded from there. So just about anywhere in the country that you're looking to move or move away from, we can probably help you at realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, that conversation obviously requires some follow-up, and um, that's what we're going to do in the overtime today. Uh, Todd and Aaron are going to provide their feedback and maybe I'll throw in a little bit as well, uh, of the conversation we just had with Dr. Ryan Cole. So if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, you're going to get that later today at blazetv.com slash Dace. If you're not one yet, that's where you can also go to become a, a subscriber at a discounted rate at blazetv.com slash Dace. When we come back, Pop Culture Tuesday, dare I say, Bill Maher has nailed it again. Next. Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. That's not just a line in the script, even though it is a line in the script, but it's true. I've tried more than my share of them and nothing is even close. Also, easy on the tummy, uh, and it's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Uh, right now, they've got nine amazing flavors going, all of them covered in 100% real chocolate. They've got over 20 flavors of this, but there's just so much demand that they can't just keep up all the all the flavors uh, with all the demand out there. So um, you can work any lifestyle with this, whether it's low calorie, low sugar, low carb, uh, et cetera. I mean, when you look at every one of their bars has up to 18, 20 grams of protein, uh, 160 calories or less. They average about four net carbs. Some of them, like the chocolate chip cookie dough, are a little bit more decadent. They're still only seven net carbs, uh, 180 calories or less, five grams of sugar or less on average. When you're dealing with those kinds of numbers, just about any lifestyle, healthy lifestyle you want to live, uh, Built Bar fits into. Uh, and they taste phenomenal. The texture of a candy bar, it's the, it's the most nutritious candy bar you've ever had. Uh, it is the best tasting protein bar you have ever tried. So you want to go right now to builtbar.com, get 15% off your first order. If you've never tried these before, 
Now's the time. Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T, BuiltBar.com. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code DACE. D-E-A-C-E, 15% off your first order. When you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code DACE. Email we just received from a Sue. Uh, She writes that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a dream for the transgender movement. Now maybe men can really have periods. Sue for the win. Can we laugh at that? I'm not sure. (laughs) Yes. All right. Unlike uh, Anthony Fauci, I thought I'd get a second opinion on that. Uh, Also, uh, we're already getting people clamoring for us to put that interview with Dr. Cole on the socials. We we cannot. They'll just ban everything. Now we can put it on Rumble. That's the we're going to put it on Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show later today. But if we posted that on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, they would just take it all down. So that's the world we live in, folks. I, we're not in control of it. All right, we don't run those platforms. So that's just the reality. It, it would do us no good to put it out on those social media networks because they just take them down. So, um, I mean, we've got a governor of a state right now who just instituted an executive order to punitively punish big tech for censorship, and they just last week censored him. All right, so that's just the world in which we live. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate that, that, you know, Republicans had power to do something about this the last few years and chose not to. And now here we are. So, well, that's an evergreen tale too, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. So, but we will put the Ryan Cole interview out on Rumble as a breakout today. Rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. But unfortunately, that's, we live in a society that does stuff like that. So there you go. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Pop Culture Tuesday is when we, to, we take a look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And I must confess, that when we started this segment on the show, what's it been? Like three, four, five years ago we started this, right? Yeah. I, I never thought, if I'd have came up to you guys when we started this and said, guys, we're going to do a segment where we're going to feature a Bill Maher rant favorably. You'd have looked at me and said what? Uh, well, amongst the progressive horde, it's more likely him than anybody else, but I still said low. Yeah, especially in this context. Yes. Like we would have might have found a political issue or two sure. we agreed with him on where our interest intertwined like his disdain for radical Islam for example, right? But he, in this particular segment yes. where he was going to give a rant against Hollywood that almost with a few exceptions I happen to like Kong versus Godzilla by the way, so does you. Yeah. But with a few exceptions we could have, you know, done a, a, a lot of these exact same themes. Yes. Probably not high, but we also live in a world where I am being retweeted again this morning by Dr. Naomi Wolf and directing people to her Twitter feed. And as a friend of mine texted me today, my head is about to explode because I just saw that. <laughs> All right. So we live in a society uh, where Naomi Wolf and Steve Dace now are uh, in, uh, you know, wearing the same uniform, same jersey. So uh, we're, these, are, these are some perilous times, uh, Obi-Wan, no question about it. But when observing what um, his beloved industry known as Hollywood calls entertainment these days. Bill Maher had this to say. And finally, new rule, the Oscars need to change their name to the Debbies. As in Debbie Downer. Because judging by this year's Best Picture nominees, you couldn't have a worse time at the movies if there was an active shooter in the theater. (laughs) 
new poll found that less than half of Americans now go to church. They don't have to. If they want to feel guilty, dirty, and bad, they can watch Nomadland. <laughs> That's the one about the woman who winds up living in her van after her husband dies of cancer. In Judas and the Black Messiah, the FBI kills the leader of the Black Panthers, and in the trial of the Chicago 7, the FBI kills the leader of the Black Panthers again. <laughs> Promising young woman has Carrie Mulligan avenging a murderous rapist, but then he kills her too. And she was so close to joining the Black Panthers. Sound of Metal is about a musician going deaf. The Father is about an octogenarian descending into dementia. And Minari is the story of dirt-poor Korean immigrants in Arkansas who put all their food in a barn, but then Grandma has a stroke and burns it down. Now enjoy the show! <laughs> The 2021 Oscars, brought to you by razor blades, Kleenex, and rope. <laughs> Please welcome our host, the sad emoji. <laughs> you know, <laughs> look, I don't have to leave the theater whistling, but would it kill you once in a while to make a movie that doesn't make me want to take a bath with the toaster? <laughs> we... We all had a rough year. A little escapism would have been appreciated, but your list... <laughs> but your list of movies, it's like the menu at some stupid, trendy restaurant where all the choices are very impressive, but there's not one thing I actually want to eat. Where's the comfort food? What happened to show business? Did they all decide to quit cocaine at the same time? Did they forget? Did they forget that Hollywood is still the number one place to go if you're an egomaniac looking to fill that hole from your childhood with applause? <laughs> At least that's what my therapist says to me. I don't know. <laughs> they forgot how to help people escape from their problems. And then they wonder why they're losing their audience in droves. Of course. You keep offering up the immigrant who a coffee can. And <laughs> at some point, the crowd is going to go, oh, f it. Just give me the Netflix movie of Motley Crue taking drugs and getting Academy nominations used to say, look what great movies we make. Now they say, look what good people we are. It's not about entertainment. It's about suffering, specifically yours. <laughs> it's not two hours to forget your troubles. It's traffic school at the Holocaust Museum. In 2021, if you're at the movies and wondering, huh, which one is the bad guy? It's you. <laughs> because you have indoor plumbing and the nominees don't. <laughs> this is one reason why Godzilla versus Kong stomped at the box office last weekend and finally got people back to theaters because it's Godzilla versus Kong, not Godzilla versus Kong and his crippling battle with depression. <laughs> Mm. 
Not that I want to see Godzilla versus Kong either. Is there no... Hollywood used to know. They used to know how to make a movie that was about something. A movie for adults that was also entertaining and not just depressing. There was already a category for that. Best documentary. <laughs> you know, important filmmaking about the conflict in Syria or the plight of the hot dog stand owners. <laughs> you know, the part of the Oscar show where you got up and went to the bathroom. <laughs> but that's the whole show now. They don't even have a host anymore. The funniest part of the whole night is the in memoriam segment. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's such an odd psychological quirk. I, I keep asking myself, why do so many liberals have this seeming desire to want to be sad? Could it be because being sad allows you to feel like you're doing something about a problem without actually having to do anything? Like the poor lady living in her van. There is a solution to homelessness, building affordable housing, possibly in your neighborhood. But do, but do people, including liberals, vote for that? No, they fight it. But it does make them sad. <laughs> Without affecting home values. Virtue signaling has already ruined most of the internet, the publishing industry, the New York Times, and most of the colleges where football isn't a priority. Please, at least leave us the movies. Because, <laughs> in all honesty, I gotta ask, if your movie is so woke, how come I'm falling asleep? Mm. Hmm. You know, we mentioned this at the beginning of the show when we previewed that we were gonna run this. You know, one of his claims to fame is the documentary Religious, right? Making yes. fun of, well, really, people with an orthodox religious viewpoint. But I've told you before, over the years, every society is a theocracy. Every single one is. Every form of government, everything is ultimately a theocracy. It's just a matter of who the theo is. And since the real Theo, we've decided uh, that we had the power to eject him, which we don't, by the way, and we're living through the consequences of that right now as we speak. But in our minds, we viewed ourselves as having the power to do so because, well, it was religious. Well, it wasn't as if that spot at the, at the, at the head of the table was just going to remain vacant. No one was going to say, you know what? This chair fits nice. I'm going to sit down in here. And what has happened is, Bill, you have been, God bless you. See what I did there? Uh, you have been far more successful in your efforts, brother, than you think. Because now that you've ejected, now that the one true God has been ejected from that spot at the head of the table, the new gods will have a seat instead. And you will get all the shame and guilt and suffering with no redemption, no forgiveness offered 
whatsoever. You'll just drown and wallow in it. And that's what the woke religion is. That is what virtue signaling is. The line where he says, nowadays movies are about suffering, yours. And, 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 and they're about bad people, you, right on the money. So, you know what? That old-time religion that offered mm-hmm. you forgiveness and redemption was too religious. We couldn't have that. So now, the new boss will sit down there instead, and you'll get all of the sorrow and suffering, but none of the hope, redemption, or grace. How you like them apples? Yeah, he keeps getting into this corner. Remember that's bad a couple years with... Um Batman, uh, Ben Affleck about Islam, and he yes. says, he's like, Christians aren't strapping C4 to their chest, you right. know? Uh, so he, yeah, he may be pining for that old-time religion. This could, this thing confirmed, finally for me, uh, something I always thought about Bill Maher. Listen, I, I, I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. I went to the University of Wisconsin. I definitely have a lot of friends that I don't see anymore, like Bill Maher. Bill Maher likes the Mets. He likes a good movie. We'd sit down. I would, we'd give each other as good as uh, we could on matters that we disagree on but then we just drink a beer and share a sandwich and you enjoy i think he's just he really and he says a lot of craven things about the christian faith i i I get it um and it's bad and we fight him on that but i i think he is that dude that he'd he'd be happy he'd be happy to have us on his show Mm -hmm. and vice versa and just go for it and 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 not be so damn miserable all the time and secondly this is what really makes me mad this is how our side should have been going after progressivism for the last decade just viciously with a punchline over and over again because it's preposterously stupid and bill maher understands that you know we all know also the detrimental impact of uh, all that content that we just sit around that dumb depressing content and watch online but then there is what it does to the shortening of attention spans loss of creativity and more that's why we're looking for better more hopeful ways uh, to give our children and grandchildren an enjoyable downtime so we want to tell you about Annie's Kit Clubs in that regard the perfect subscription box for both boys and girls they've got the Young Workers Kit Club for the boys where they get with minimal supervision an awesome woodworking project that comes in the mail every single month all in one woodworking kit and then for the boy or for the girls annie's creative girls club which sends now they get two uh and every month of uh, they get two from annie and it's complete with uh easy to follow instructions that will kickstart her creativity through painting beading and more so with annie's kit clubs you can help your kids develop real world building skills stuff that they can use when they grow up out into the real world and new crafting techniques that will also express their creativity it makes a great gift for the kids and grandkids just go to annie's kit slash steve a-n-n-i-e-s for annie's kit slash steve and get 75% off your first shipment at annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Aaron, you got a quick word here before we get out? There are increasing numbers of people, and I think this is maybe part of what Bill Maher is talking about. He just wants to go be entertained. Basically, he wants to enjoy um, j- enjoy the fruits of true liberty and true um, classical liberalism. There are way too many people now who... Um, conversely or not uh, conversely adversely say to that um instead of going and enjoying the fruits of liberty they want to go hey you want to go to the uh, struggle session with me he's not in on that Mm. he's not in on that and i hope there are a lot more people like him maybe 
one of the last hopes we have of keeping this thing together. Correct. Yeah. All right. Overtime coming your way for Blaze TV subscribers for the rest of you. We'll see you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.